Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Today, we are on Season 2, Episode 13, The Stan Who Came to Dinner. Now, this episode originally aired on January the 10th of 1987. So what other interesting historical events occur on January the 10th? Well, back in 1839... Tea from India first arrives in the United Kingdom. In 1911, the first photo in the United States taken from an airplane is taken in San Diego. In 1920, the Montreal Canadiens defeat the Toronto St. Patrick's 14-7 a 21 combined goals setting the NHL single game record that still stands to this day. In 1927, Fritz Lang's Metropolis premieres in Berlin. Uh, In 1967, PBS begins broadcasting throughout the United States as a 70-station network. In 1989, Wayne Gretzky becomes the NHL's all-time leading scorer with 2011 combined regular season and playoff points. In 1998, Mark Messier becomes the sixth NHL player to record 1,000 career assists. Our most recent event on January the 10th, 2019, Canadian astronomers report fast radio bursts of likely extraterrestrial origin at the Chime Observatory in British Columbia. So, that is our history lesson for today. So, what occurred in this enthralling installment of the Golden Girls? All right. This episode... Oh, was thralling, as you say. Sophia enters the living room through the swinging kitchen door uh, as the front doorbell rings. Sophia does not answer it. She sits on the couch and begins reading a magazine. Dorothy and Blanche both say they cannot get the door as they are still getting dressed. Rose peeks out of the kitchen door and says she can't either. Her hands are covered in something. Ah, Rose asks Sophia if she would get the door, and she says, sure, why not? She is over 80, and she has had plenty of chances to rest in her lifetime. She'll answer the door, then she'll hot tar the roof. Okay, so Sophia answers the door. Ah, there's two guys there, dressed alike, and they both say hello in unison. Sophia asks them, how many of her do they see? And they say they are twins and they are there to see Blanche. Sophia says she guesses that Blanche is back on the vitamins and invites them in. Uh, Blanche comes into the living room looking stunning. She says, hi, Rob. I didn't know your brother Bob was a twin. And one of them replies that Blanche didn't tell him that her roommate was Grandma Moses. Okay, Sophia hears this and tells them that she could fix his face so they don't look like twins. Oh boy. Blanche introduces Sophia as Dorothy's mother. Apparently, Dorothy is going out with them tonight. Dorothy then enters and Blanche introduces her to Rob and his brother Bob. Uh, Dorothy throws out a joke that 
isn't that good. Then Blanche says she didn't know they were twins, but Rob had told her that they were exactly alike. At this point, Blanche walks over to Dorothy and tells her that Dorothy will be thanking Blanche for years to come. Okay, the doorbell rings. Dorothy gets it, and it is Stan who says they need to talk. Ah, uh, Blanche tells Rob and Bob that Stan is Dorothy's ex-husband, the biggest loser you'll ever see. Dorothy would like some notice before Stan drops by in the future, you know, one, two, maybe six months. Uh, Stan says that he has a stack of papers they need to go over before the surgery. Dorothy says, surgery? While well, Sophia says he is finally going ahead with that hair transplant. Ah, Stan says that not everybody can tell that his hair isn't real, while Dorothy counters that even Stevie Wonder could tell it's a rug. Uh, Stan says he doesn't want to ruin their evening and he'll be, still be around when they get back, God willing. Dorothy says they are seeing Merv Griffin in the Crucible, so she'll risk it. They start to leave, but Dorothy stops and says they made these plans a week ago, and she can't disappoint Rob. Blanche says, Bob, and Dorothy repeats, Bob. Dorothy comes back and asks if it is really serious. Stan replies that the doctor says it is a wonder he can even talk. All right, at this time, Rose comes in from the kitchen, and Dorothy asks Rose if she could take her place with Rob, a uh, Bob, Bob. Yeah, Rose says she wishes she could, but she is driving the bookmobile for the grief center. She talks about that for a minute and exclaims that maybe she should drive a knitmobile instead. And Sophia says maybe she should drive a knitwitmobile instead. Ah, Rose leaves. So Dorothy tells Blanche that maybe she should call a friend. And Blanche then has the two guys leave so she can talk to Blanche. Huh? Blanche then has the two guys leave so she can talk to Dorothy. Boy, there's a mistake for me. The two guys leave. Dorothy says she is really sorry, but she has to stay and talk with Stan. Blanche doesn't know if she can. She is feeling something quite provocative about the evening. Though she could never have a relationship with both twins at the same time. That would be obscene. Well, unless, of course, it was tastefully done. Dorothy takes Stan into the kitchen to talk, and Blanche says she will just have to send one home. But which one? Blanche talks to Sophia for a minute. She always had this recurring dream about twins. They kill each other over her, so maybe she'll drive. Yep, Sophia says she has a recurring dream about John Cameron Swayze strapping a Timex to her chin and tosses her across an icy pond. She checked in a book of symbols, but it wasn't there. All right, Blanche leaves. Out in the kitchen now, Dorothy standing. Stan is sitting at the table. Dorothy says, bypass surgery, you mean heart bypass? They talk and Dorothy tells him to pull himself together. He talks some funk and Dorothy repeats that she said to pull himself together, not talk like Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, Stanley says he will be fine, but they are going to open up his chest and slice his heart like the lox platter at Wolfie's. Uh, Sophia enters at this moment and says, good, someone's going for lox. Get some bagels, an assortment, please. Sophia continues with her shopping list. Finally, she brings up that the hard part is after the surgery. Who is going to take care of him? He lives alone and no one likes him. 
Sophia decides that he'll come to the house because he is still family. Uh, Dorothy agrees. Stan will be in Dorothy's bedroom and she will move over to Sophia's room. Next scene, a knock at the door and Stan is in the room and says to come in. It is Blanche and Rose. So this appears to be Dorothy's bedroom. Dorothy comes in and with some fresh towels and takes them to the bathroom. Blanche and Dorothy just came to see Stan before he goes to surgery and wishes him luck. They leave. Dorothy talks about the operation which is taking place tomorrow. It is a simple operation, eh, but Stanley is worried and breaks down crying. They talk. We find out that Stanley leaving after 38 years of marriage wasn't his first mistake. He says the chain-linked fence retailer's convention in Atlantic City in 1957 was not real. He just had an affair. She was a waitress at the little Greek diner on the way to work. He'd go in every morning and she'd put some rolls on the table and say, can I butter your buns? One morning she said it and there were no rolls on the table. Oh boy, next thing he knew they were in Atlantic City. He swears it. It was just that one time and wants forgiveness. So Dorothy says she was at home with two screaming kids and just hoping he would sell enough chain link to put dinner on the table and he is off planting his flag on Mount Olympus. He still wants forgiveness, but Dorothy isn't giving it easily. She does forgive him and Stan says she has the compassion of a priest. But Dorothy would have to be the entire Vatican softball team to forgive him for the other time. He talks about another time and Dorothy goes crazy again, but in the end she just gives up and forgives him for all his forays. He feels so much better and Dorothy slams a suitcase into his groin area and she says that makes her feel so much better now. Dorothy leaves. Ah, so now we are at the Biscayne General Hospital. The three girls are sitting in the lobby area. Sophia comes in from a door and Dorothy asks her where she was as they were all worried about her. And Sophia says that Rochelle DeVito is in the hospital. She slipped in the shower and broke her hip, fell through the shower doors, and hit her head against the sink, got a concussion, and swallowed her dentures. All right, Sophia took some of her cookies and offers them to the other girls. They don't want any. Dorothy tells about her anxiety and says she thought the next time she would be going through this kind of thing would be with Sophia. And Sophia says that as long as she is there, maybe she can break her hip so Dorothy wouldn't have to come back. Uh, if something happened to Stan, Dorothy would feel like a widow. Uh, she technically wouldn't be, but that is how she would feel. So Blanche tells us of the first time somebody called her widow. She was terribly lonely and depressed, just missing George something awful. Finally, her best friend, Rebecca Sue Bliss, persuaded Blanche to join her for a night out. They had no sooner stepped through the door of the boots and saddle grill. These two brawny truckers offered them a drink. One of the truckers noticed her wedding band and Becky Sue said, that's all right, she's a widow. Yeah, so the next time she decided to party when George was out of town, she left that ring at home. Uh, she didn't cheat, she just flirted. As that keeps you healthy, keeps you in shape, and keeps your buttocks firm. Yes, and Dorothy wasted all that time on jazzercise. Uh, Rose confesses she hates being called a widow. 
Rose tells us about that for a minute or two. And then a Dr. Douche comes in, or comes out, wait, wanting to see Mrs. Zabornak. Just tells her and the other girls that everything went fine and he is out of surgery and will be in recovery for a while and he'll be out of intensive care within 48 hours. He informs them that Stanley should be as good as new in three months. And Dorothy says, did you say three months? She hugs Sophia and starts sobbing. Three months with Stanley? Oh boy. Well, next scene, we're in the living room. Sophia and Stanley on the couch watching TV. Sophia says, you call that wrestling, you pansy? If you can't take a crotch slam like a man, then get out of the business. Stanley says it is great watching TV with Sophia and that there is a basketball game on Channel 7. Sophia replies that she said he could come out of his room, not talk to her. Uh, he says he's kind of an expert on basketball. That is one of the interesting things about him. Yeah, Sophia responds that he has lived there for two months and there's nothing interesting about him. So, yes, we are two months after the surgery now. He says, no, really, ask him anything. So Sophia asks him, when is he moving out? Stanley laughs and she really, and says she really kills him. Yes, while she responds that she would love to really kill him. Sophia leaves and Blanche and a man enter through the front door. Blanche tells the man to wait right there at the door while she heads behind Stanley on the couch. And while walking that way, she says, you'll never guess what this wonderful, just, wonderful fool just did. Yeah, he just bought a fire engine red convertible and put it on his credit card. She is heading to her bedroom to get a wrap. So Blanche exits. Stan tells the dude that he won out. Stanley continues to tell him that he heard the girls talking last night that he has all the brains, charm, and sex appeal, while his twin brother Rob, the slob, batted a big fat zero. Well, of course, this guy is really Rob, and when Blanche re-enters the scene, Rob says, bye. Blanche wants to know what is wrong. Rob says, ask him, pointing towards Stan. So Rob leaves. Blanche asks Stan, and he does respond that he thought Rob was Bob, and he said something that he shouldn't have. So Blanche is ready to kill him now. Rose comes out of the kitchen and says she is going to kill Stan, asking him, does he know what this is? He says it's a plate. Yes, it is broken too, and he dropped it, and he was going to pick it up later. Rose says it is not just a plate. It is a family heirloom. It is great, great Grandma Nyland's ceremonial wedding plate. Yes, it is. The bride's family fills the plate with fruit, and at the wedding, the guests eat from it. When the last piece is gone, the bride and groom leave to start their wedding night, which takes place in a tent or a Best Western. Vikings have always been very progressive people. Anyway, this is now the time for the husband to symbolically <coughs> offer himself to his new bride on the plate. Stanley says he ate a tuna sandwich off that plate during the afternoon. Uh, Rose will never forget any, forgive him for this as her niece is getting married in the spring and what will her husband do? Uh, Blanche suggests that maybe a gravy boat would work. Uh, Dorothy comes in the front door and says she went to three stores, but she finally found the stuff he needs to make him sleep. Strawberry quick. 
He tells her she is the best and he needs to go take a shower. As he is leaving, he tells Dorothy if she could bring him a mug of that stuff in 10 minutes, that would be perfect. Stan leaves and the girls talk about having to get rid of Stan. Yes, Dorothy says he is recovering from major surgery and he needs them. Uh, they go into the kitchen. Blanche remarks that Stan is taking advantage of Dorothy. Dorothy says he is sick and he is the only one who knows when he's ready to leave. It is his decision. Rose says that sometimes people need help in making decisions. That was the way it was with Thor. Yeah, Rose's pet lamb. From the first time he was first separated from his mother, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't sleep, he wouldn't frolic with the other sheep. <laughs> Dorothy says that Rose is slipping into verse. Just keep it simple, please. So Rose continues, Daddy got the idea of taking this old inner tube, wrapping it in wool, and putting it next to Thor's bed at night. They named it Brunhilde, and it did the trick. Thor felt like he was back with his mother. He began eating and sleeping again and frolicking. But then one day, Thor got a little too playful and accidentally bit Brunhilde. The poor little guy just stood there watching his mother deflate before his very eyes. After that, he was never the same. Sure, once in a while, he'd bah at the back tires of a car, but mostly he kept to himself. Dorothy interrupts to say she understands and she thinks she sees her point. And Blanche says, you do? Dorothy says, who cares? You want to hear the sequel? No. So Rose then continues anyway. She says the point is that Stan is getting too comfortable. He may never want to leave. Dorothy keeps supporting Stan. Stan comes through the swinging door and is wearing Dorothy's robe. He wants to know which of his angels forgot to pick up his dry cleaning. He notice that, notices that they are eating cheesecake, and he invites himself to sit at the table and eat some. The last scene, we see Stanley in bed, as Rose and Blanche are in the, same, are in the room also. Blanche is taking a tray of food somewhere and says, Stanley, don't you think it's a coincidence you get a relapse on the day the doctor says you can move back home? And he says that the heart is a funny organ. So Blanche replies that she bets most of his organs get alive. And Blanche leaves. Rose explains to him that Blanche is a bit edgy as they have been taking care of him for two months. He's been eating them out of house and home and making life unbearable. Stan doesn't agree. Rose says in the village her ancestors came from, if a man was bad company, unable to provide for his family, and no fun under the yak skin, the women would leave him to die. And Rose leaves. Dorothy comes in saying she just spoke to Dr. Douche, and he says there's nothing to worry about. Some patients do experience a sudden setback like this one. Stan wants the remote control from the top of the television. Dorothy leaves without giving him the remote. So Stan immediately gets up out of bed, turns on the television. We hear a basketball game. Stan pretends dribbling a basketball, and then he does a hook shot. Just as Dorothy comes in the room and she asks him if he is feeling better, magic, I think that's a reference to Magic Johnson, she claims that he thought a little physical activity would help him overcome this setback. Stanley is afraid of being alone. This whole experience has made him feel so vulnerable, so mortal. Being there makes him feel more secure. They talk. 
And Dorothy says she is pushing him out of the nest. He needs to grow up. And happy birthday, Peter Pan. So Dorothy leaves the room. And the episode ends with Stanley sitting on the bed. Well, uh, in this episode, there's a few uh, references made. Of course, firstly to Grandma Moses. Uh or Anna Mary Robertson Moses, known by her nickname, Grandma Moses. She was an American folk artist. Uh, she began painting at the age of 78 and is often cited as an example of an individual who successfully began a career in the arts at an advanced age. Her works have been shown and sold throughout the U.S. and abroad and have been marketed on greeting cards and other merchandise. Moses' paintings are displayed in the collections of many museums. And her most uh, her most successful piece, I guess, Sugaring Off, uh, was sold for $1.2 million at auction in 2006. Uh, she appeared on magazine covers, on television, and in a documentary about her life. She also wrote an autobiography won numerous awards, and was honored two honorary doctorates. Uh, Stevie Wonder, or Steveland Hardaway Morris, uh, is an American singer, songwriter, musician, record producer, and multi-instrumentalist. A child prodigy, Wonder is considered to be one of the most critically and commercially successful musical performers of the late 20th century. Uh, Merv Griffin uh, is, was an American television host and media mogul who began his career as a radio and big band singer, went on to appear in film and on Broadway from 65 to 86. He hosted his own talk show, The Merv Griffin Show. He also created the internationally popular game shows Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Uh, the Crucible course, is a 1953 play written by Arthur Miller, uh, which is a dramatized and partially fictionalized story of the Salem Witch Trials in the Massachusetts Bay Colony during the years of 1692 and 1693. Uh, of course, was written in the 50s as a allegory for McCarthyism, uh, and Arthur Miller himself was even taken to the House of Representatives to testify in front of the Committee on Un-American Activities in 1956 and was convicted of contempt of Congress for refusing to identify others present at communist sympathizer meetings he had attended. Uh, the play was first performed at the Martin Beck Theater on Broadway on January 22nd of 1953. Uh, Miller felt that this production was too stylized and cold and the reviews for it were largely hostile. Uh, nonetheless, that production did win the 1953 Tony for Best Play. A year later, a new production succeeded, and the play became a classic and is regarded as a central work in the canon of American stage play drama. Uh, John Cameron Swayze was a news commentator and game show panelist during the 1940s and 50s, who later became best known as a product spokesman. Uh, Timex, or Timex Group, 
is a Dutch holding company headquartered in Hoofdorp in the Netherlands. It is the corporate parent of several global watchmaking companies. Uh, so it makes the uh, watches. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is an American singer, musician, dancer, actor, vaudeville performer, and comedian uh, who is notable for his impressions of other celebrities. So that's who that is. Uh, Mount Olympus, uh, of course, is the highest mountain in Greece, located in the Olympus Range on the border between Thessaly and Macedonia, between the regional units of Pieria and Larissa, about 80 kilometers southwest from Thessaloniki. It has 52 peaks, deep gorges, and exceptional biodiversity. The highest peak, Matikas, meaning nose, rises to 2,920 meters and is one of the highest peaks in Europe in terms of topographic prominence. Of course, is also notable in Greek mythology as the home of the Greek gods. It has been a national park, the first in Greece since 1938, and is also a world biosphere reserve. Uh, let's see, Strawberry Quick uh, is a for a powdered mix of milk that is strawberry flavored. Uh, Magic Johnson is a retired professional basketball player and the current president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Peter Pan is a fictional character created by Scottish novelist and playwright J.M. Barry a free-spirited and mischievous young boy who can fly and never grows up. Peter Pan spends his never-ending childhood having adventures on the mythical island of Neverland as the leader of the Lost Boys, interacting with fairies, pirates, mermaids, Native Americans, and occasionally ordinary children in the world outside of Neverland. Uh, he has become a cultural icon symbolizing youthful innocence and escapism, in addition to two distinct works by Barry, the character has been featured in a variety of media and merchandise, both adapting and expanding upon Barry's works. His first appearance was in The Little White Bird, published in 1902. And that is Peter Pan. Uh, now, Rose brings up Viking wedding customs. Now... Uh, as far as I could tell, her description of uh, the groom presenting his genitals on a plate, um, yes. I could not find that that was a thing that was done. You couldn't. Um, I could not find anything stating that that was what a surprise. the case. Um, so we could, I could explain what a traditional Viking wedding consists of, but uh, we would be here for hours i believe so we'll uh, save that for a different time i have one fashion note uh blanche's outfit that she wears on her date i think this is the first time at the start of the episode i don't remember fully though uh, but on one of the dates blanche goes on she is wearing an outfit where her blouse has like a cinching belt that is tied in her groin it's a very weird look oh, yeah uh, but that's where that that's where that uh, shirt ties for some reason. Yes, that was weird. Uh, we have three side characters. Rob, uh, 
Uh, well, I guess four if we want to count Stan as one, but we've discussed him before. Yes. Uh, Rob, who is played by Ra- Rod Sab, uh, and this is his only acting credit in his entire career. Wow. Uh, Bob is played by Odil Sab. This is also his only acting credit in his entire career. Uh, and then Dr. Deutsch is played by Steve Kramer, uh, who is most known uh, when I was scrolling through his IMDb page. He has a lot of acting credits, uh, 346 of them. Uh, I would say, I didn't do an uh, account, but I would say at least a good 300 of these 346 credits are voice acting. He does a lot of voice acting. Uh, from what I could tell, this is one of his, one of the few TV appearances where he is actually, you know, in person. Uh, but he's most known for his work on uh, the English dub of a lot of anime stuff uh, of Akira. He provides uh, Roy's voice on the English dub of that. He's also in the uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still, the Keanu Reeves remake. Um, he's in End of Days and Airplane as well. Um, but just in the last like three years, let's see, he's done voice work on the English dubs of such TV shows as FLCL Progressive, Sword Guy the Animation, Marseille, Lou Over the Wall, Stitch and AI. March Comes In Like a Lion, uh, Pokemon Generations, Berserk, Magi Sinbad Nobokan, Bling, Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 4, oh, that's a video game he does uh, voice work in, uh, Lupin 3, uh, among many, many others. Uh, he's in the new Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon Crystal, he's in that. He voices uh, Wiseman and the Death Phantom in Sailor Moon Crystal. Uh, he does voice work in Dragon Ball Super, uh, Blaz Blue, uh, Robotech, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Bleach. He's in most of Bleach. Yeah. Um, uh, he does some voice work in uh, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Uh, the Blade TV show. Uh, he he's done a lot, lot of voice work. Uh, not a lot of in-person appearances. You know, live-action stuff. Um, so I'm trying to find his, trying to find one other than this. Um, he's in a film called Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. That sounds great. Um, now he's in Gilmore Girls for an episode. Uh, Twenty-four. Uh, the mini-series of 24 he's in. Uh, West Wang. So he's in a few things, uh, but mostly a voice acting guy. Um, no new sex partners as far as I can tell in this episode, so our tally stands. Blanche, 24. Dorothy, 5. Rose, 4. Sophia, 1. And that is all I have for this episode. Okay, I've got a couple things to uh, for closer observation i guess or analysis the plate the plate that you okay. mentioned are we are we going to get into the mechanics of this no okay i hope i hope that doesn't need explained but okay no. uh so she said it was her great 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 grand you know whatever 
nylons plate. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things in nyland because this is Rose Nylon, so Nylon must be her maiden name. Uh, so either one, she did not take her husband's last name when they were married, or after her husband died, she took back her maiden name. And either one of these is rare, especially for that time frame, I believe. Uh, for the 40s, probably, or early 50s, in theory there, when Once they got, got married. married. Uh, yeah, that would be a bit uncommon, would be uncommon. at the time. So, uh, the other thing that I could think is that, because uh, she's from St. Olaf, which doesn't sound like a particularly big town. Um, so, maybe her family married into Charlie's family multiple times, uh, potentially. That would be my guess, uh, though also, you know, saying that off again, small town in the Midwest, interfamily marriages wouldn't sound that far-fetched to me, especially okay. for the 30s and before, especially. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't be that far-fetched to me okay. uh, as a possibility. I did not come up with that as a possibility, <laughs> but I did come up with a third. Okay. And that is that maybe... The writers just... forgot... <laughs> She just said Nylon as it was easier than remembering her great-great-grandmother's name and saying whatever it was. Well, maybe that was her first name. Maybe her name is Nyland Shellstrop. I don't know. Or something, yes. I don't know. Something. I. So, yes. All righty. Or the writers. <laughs> the writers didn't think about it. The writers That's the likely one. That's the likely one, and... And if she did say it was my great great grandmother Johnson's, I'm like, huh? What? Who? So uh -huh. saying Nyland, no one said anything about that. Maybe. Anyway, the second thing mm -hmm. is when Blanche comes back in with Robert with the gravy Bob. boat. Oh, well, oh, okay. Robert Bob and says he just bought a car on a credit card. Okay, well that in this day and age is a rather bad ideal. I mean, okay, uh, most credit cards, ooh, I think that's just a bad ideal. Uh, I mean, an average car, say, nowadays may cost 30000 Most credit cards ain't going to have that kind of a limit. He's got that platinum car. <laughs> and But what about in the 80s? I, I looked it up. There's many different sites that have many different average cost of cars. For different ages or different years so I went along with an average cost of a car back then was about thirteen thousand uh, dollars well she specifies what he just bought uh, fury red convertible oh okay. I mean not that's not a specific car no. brand or something no oh okay no okay uh, so it's hard to say but buying one on a credit card is not a good ideal Hmm. And last but not least is they're making us believe that, that you can display your genitals in a gravy boat. Well, besides that. Oh, okay. They're actually making us believe that Blanche has dated this guy for two months now. Because he was there at the start, of course. Stan has been living there for two months and he, she brought him back, you know, at that time. So 
She's been dating him for two months? She's been dating the pair. Well, maybe she goes back and forth Uh on those two. That's what I think it is, yeah. But for two months, that is very unusual in this situation. (laughs) But two months? Okay. I couldn't believe that Blanche is dating anybody, even if they're twins, for two months. Uh, Well, there's a difference between dating them and doing what she normally does. She makes a clear distinction. Yeah. Uh, with her romantic interests. Yes, that's why I would have thought that at least one of them has been a sex partner with her. Because when she goes over to Dorothy at the very first date there and says, you're going to be thanking me for months to come, I can only think of one reason that uh, you're going to be thanking me for months to come. Um, well, is yes, their sexual prowess. Well, that could be. Um, sure, it could be. But I don't know. Else. I mean, Dorothy doesn't get out much, so you know, any any date for her is a pretty big achievement to this point in the show. They've made that point many times made to that this point, point. But it uh, isn't until Rob says. I told you we were exactly alike. That is when Blanche tells Dorothy that she'll be happy for months to come. Well, I'm not sure what she could mean then. Okay. Um, I don't know what she would mean then, because I mean, my first guess would be okay. So they got they they got big dicks, right? Like that's uh-huh. what she's saying. Yes. Um. Now I'm not an expert on this front, and know but how to use them. Right now I'm no expert on this front, but I unless they're identical twins, which they are, I don't think that part would be identical. Um, I don't think again, not an expert on this front, uh, but I don't think that would be the case. I'd have to research that, which is something I'd rather not have on my Google search history, but. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, okay, well, so unless then she means like they're, I guess, either their their cunnilingus skills are great, which, again, that would not really be, you couldn't really tell that from, oh, they have the same genetic code, necessarily. No. Um, I guess she could mean they're multi-orgasmic, so they have very short refractory periods, so that may be. Uh, could be what she means. Yeah, and that would uh, still be a sexual partner. That would, yeah, w- yeah. Uh, so I guess she could mean that. Uh, but then again, I don't know if that's would be genetic, I genetically identical. Um, no, I just can't imagine it's because he buys her candy at the movie or something. <laughs> Or... That could be because I I'm trying to figure <laughs> out because when because she's implying that it's that they would have that they have the same genetics so it's something that would be g- from your DNA so I guess that's what she'd have to mean and again I don't think that that is necessarily the case and anything else it would be kind of just on an individual basis that there's no genetic basis for any applicable skills uh, as far as I'm aware uh, so 
I get what? No, that would be way too out of the box for this show to pull right now. So I'm not even going to bring that one up. Um, so. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what she could mean. I I think you're probably right that that's what she su- is supposed to be meaning, but that's not quite what I took that to mean. Well, with it being Blanche, and right when I you know watched the episode, that's exactly what came to my mind. Mm. Now, if it was Rose, maybe it would have been something different, or Dor- or Sophia, maybe something different. But with the Blanche. That's what came to my mind immediately. Hmm. Uh, anyway, the kitchen observation, nothing's different in this episode uh, much. Um, uh, the episode counts here. I've got, I counted that lamb story as a St. Olaf story. She doesn't exactly specify that it was, but I don't know where else that would have taken place at. They did eat one cheesecake, though the girls never mentioned it. It was Stanley that said it was a cheesecake at the table. And, of course, this was a Stanley visit. A very long visit. Well, the second time after the surgery. Um, So we're at four weddings planned. Or weddings. Four physical abuses arose. Five St. Olaf stories, six cheesecakes eaten, four Sicily Italian stories, 18 Sicily Italian references, eight times the girls been mad at each other, 13, ooh, I should be able to add wrestling with Sophia on this one, couldn't I? Because she was watching wrestling on TV. Okay, from a quick Google, back to your twin comment. Uh Uh-oh, yes. According to a quick Google and from a secondhand source here, now according to this one guy, um, two pair, uh, a pair of identical twins do have very similar penises in all regards of function, size, and visual appearance. Uh, the only difference would be uh, any circumcision differences. Uh, but other than that, um, according to this guy, from his uh, field research, uh, the penises would be uh, fairly identical. Okay. Uh, according to this one fellow's field research. Alrighty. So I'm adding one sport for wrestling. Sophia and Stan were watching it. Stanley was watching basketball, so that's mm-hmm. not the girls. Um, 11 games and four. Oh, I don't know. Dorothy watches it for a minute. She comes in the room there, but she doesn't really watch it. Okay. Sure. Uh, Okay. Um, but she does say Magic Johnson, so Mm -hmm. she says magic. Yeah. Um, this episode for me, there was actually too much Stan in it. Um. Uh, a few laughs, but not enough. So I gave this one a rating of 72 out of 100. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye.